movies, TV, Blu-rays. If somehow you're consuming it on the screen with your eyes, then you'll hear it on Scene and Nerd. Here are the hosts of Scene and Nerd, Casey, Pete, and Matt, with a little help from Casey Franco. And third year too. Proudly brought to you by GWW Radio. Welcome to Scene and Nerd. It's another uh, end of the crazy week and another uh, pretty exciting week of television. And we're back again to talk about it all just for you. I'm your host, Pacing Pete. Uh, alongside always is Mr. I'm Salzy. Yeah, that's me. Two weeks in a row. Let's go. <laughs> it's going to be a trend now, people. He's back. He's back. He's not going away for a while. If ever, hopefully. Um, and then we have Miss Sarah Belmont. What's up, Sarah? Hi, guys. And back again, as always, we have Agasicles. Welcome back, Agasicles. Boom. <laughs> and uh, of the Cena Nerd official crasher, Andy B. from the Flash Podcast. What's up, Andy? What's up? Uh, lots to go over today. You know, we're going to get into it in a little bit. But, uh, man, um, Constantine is all I'm going to say. So I'm going to save the rest of it for, for TV talk because it was awesome. It's fucking um, magic. Okay, sorry. I know, right? Um, all right, Matt. Well, with that, why don't you give us redactions? Uh, okay, so uh, just a minor redaction for last week. Um, Agasicles, you had uh, you couldn't remember the uh, name of the um, person who leads um, Alexandria in The Walking Dead, and um, her name is a uh, a uh, Dan. Or sorry, I have it in my notes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, she's a former congresswoman turn leader of Alexandria. So there you go. All right. Very cool. Anything else or is that it? Uh, that is it. And uh, from uh, I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> from henceforth, uh, those uh, comments, questions, and mishaps have been redacted. Awesome. Uh, all right. So getting into the new movies this week, just a couple out. Uh, we got Spectre. That's at 62%, the new James Bond movie. And the Penis movie. I'm... I'm I'm excited about I'm that. I'm sorry, Pete, the what? <laughs> Peanuts movie. You guys are terrible. I said the Peanuts movie. You guys are, you guys are totally like trying to... penis. Oh, my God, Andy. He totally said penis. Oh he totally, he totally oh my said God. penis. <laughs> I totally said the peanuts. Peanuts. Look, Do I need to look, enunciate that? Jeez. Look, I'm one of those people that will laugh at things like duty and so on. So you, you can't blame me too much. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't made a number two reference along with there's two of them. So. Oh, the, the night is just starting. Oh, man. Um, so those are the movies out this week. Uh, yeah, like I said, Peanuts movie. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, that's in the 85% on the tomato meter. Um, on Blu-ray, got quite a few of them. We've got End of Tour, Before We Go, uh, the vacation, uh, I guess you could say sequel. I don't think it was a reboot. I think it was a sequel. And uh, Inside Out, the uh, Disney Pixar movie, which was awesome. What? You should definitely that came out this week? Yes, you should. Oh, man, you get that. Yeah, yeah. Good, good movie. You guys haven't watched so it. So good. So good. So many feelings with that with that, uh, with that that movie. So many, so many feels. So many feels. Uh, so that's what's out on Blu-ray and the movie theater. Go check them out. All right. So we don't have Casey today. He's a little under the weather. Uh, so I'm not prepared for the news. So I'm not going to give you any because we don't have any to report on. So um, suck it. No, so <laughs> yeah. So go. So go Google it, kids. Go Google. I'm not going to give you any. Um, so instead, there, we're just going to jump into a ton of TV talk because why not? Uh, there's a lot to talk about today. Uh, so we're going to yeah. We're going to kick things off with Supergirl. Um, Pretty. I, I enjoyed the second episode this week. Uh, definitely a lot of things going on. We get to see 
a little bit more of growth from the show. Um, and let's just kick things off. Um, Agascles, what did you think of uh, National City's love-hate relationship with its new hero? Uh, I guess that uh, that element of the plot kind of made sense. Um, you know, a little bit. I, I think in, in later renditions of Superman, um, you know, they, they focused on they focused on him not being as uh, as brilliant as he may have appeared in earlier renditions as far as just, you know, knowing exactly how to pull off a rescue and, and injecting a little uh, additional physics into it. Like the fact that, you know, if you grab, uh, you know, if you grab a jet liner by the most fragile part of the fuselage, the, you know, with two hands, it's not necessarily going to hold together through a, <laughs> through a rescue. So, you know, they've been injecting things like that into it. Uh, there, there was the tanker scene uh, at the beginning of this episode where, um, you know, she tries to use her, her super freeze breath to, uh, to, to blow out a, a, what is essentially a gas fire or an oil fire, um, which does not work well. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I, I, th- I thought that was a neat element to the show. Now, a lot of the uh, – well, actually, I shouldn't say a lot. This is just a few things I saw on Twitter. Some of the complaints uh, I saw were that – well, just to some, they thought that the city liking her or hating her one minute – and then loving her the next was way too quick. Sarah, what do you, what do you think of that? Do you think it was way too fast, and that the city that maybe this is something they should have maybe drawn out more to really flesh out, like you know, the story of, of her becoming really the hero that they want or they or they need. Um, do, what do you think of that of that thought of uh, National City uh, being too quick to like Supergirl? So when you say if they should have drawn it out more. So, like, have her screw up a lot more? Um, <laughs> or, like, I guess so. Well, I mean, this is, was just more of the complaints I was hearing. Um, you know, do you think that she... Basically, this episode was just... was a lot of her, you know, saving, like, the day, but in, you know, little parts. Yeah, and, like, yeah, realizing and, that it's harder than it looks. Yeah, do you think they should have dragged it out more? Or do you think this was just about right? Like, they... Her, I think it's just about right in terms of this being the second episode of a season of the first season. Like it feels like normally in comparison to other shows within this genre, it feels like this is usually the standard second episode in the sense of the hero realizing, oh, this is cool, but I kind of need to do this right in order to be successful at it. Like it's a job in a weird way. Um, so yeah, I never, I didn't think much of that storyline. Um, so I didn't really complain about it. I didn't think much of it. So, you know, with him, with, with, or sorry, with her now, uh, forming, um, Wynn and, and, uh, Jimmy as her kind of tag team partners to, you know, work with her and, and finding the, the crimes it's, it's, or finding the crimes that need to, you know, be taken care of, uh, Kara's starting to be, or Kara's starting to be a little bit more flexible with who she tells. Andy, do you find this to be a problem? Do you think she's telling too many people too quickly? Because even in the preview for next week's episode, they kind of tease that uh, her sister is saying, who else knows? Why are you telling so many people so quickly? Well, I think, you know, this was, some, this was kind of a good parallel with The Flash from last season because they did something very similar where 
Barry was telling a lot of people as well as even some of the bad guys and um, I actually I don't mind it because I feel like in this world because you know there's still going to be a lot of questioning of the whole well is the glasses enough is that a glass is enough to cover it and so on so I feel like with the people that she is working close with and you know has a not you know tight bond with is it's probably good that she kind of you know lets them know so because otherwise it's going to make them look stupid and so on and then Hopefully she will just improve on kind of hiding herself in you know in the public with other people and so on. But no, I think it's I think it's fine that they're doing it this way. Um, you know, I've seen other shows do it worse, and you know, Supergirl is honestly doing it pretty okay in my opinion. Now, um, one of the the well, the it seems like the main big bad here is Anti Astra. And uh, Matt, what do you think of of this character so far? Are you uh, are you you know, we're you know we're only in the second episode, but are you kind of buying um, with her her anger towards Kara and how she seems to not? It was revealed that she doesn't want to take over, uh, or she doesn't want to destroy her the Earth. You know, it's, it's there's something else going on there. What do you what do you think of all this going on with uh, Astra? Um, just a lot a lot of questions. Um, I thought it was kind of cool that they they uh. They they brought they brought her on and she's like wait you're supposed to be on my side because we're blood and like we're super evil and stuff like that and I just I'm I can't wait to hear why she wants to uh, take over Earth I guess or not even but like to integrate I guess with her people I don't know I'm I'm interested to see what her plans are and her reasoning because right now it's just like she's twiddling her thumbs Mr. Burns style and she's like I'm super <laughs> evil because I'm evil and evilly get this knife off of me what is it because I'm evil you know and it's it's like yeah we get it okay now what do you want to do and you know it's the second episode of the season and they can only put so much and and um what what I I didn't like about this villain the most was man these fight scenes are they a little rough <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how if you guys feel the same, but the wire work is very tricky to get it and look right. And um, I hope it improves as the season goes because I I was not really buying into um, a lot of the fight scenes. So if they're going to be fighting a lot the rest of the season, I I hope they kind of in, improve in that in that part. Yeah, but I I do like that they're doing wire work and it's not more claymation CGI. Yeah, yeah, that that I I I, I applaud the the effort in doing that because it's so tricky. I just hope they kind of tighten things up a little bit as the season goes. Now there was a reveal in this episode at the very end about Hank Henshaw. Now I'm not familiar with superhero oh, Supergirl's like um, you know a lot of her backstory, a lot of her comic book, uh, you know her lore. And can anyone tell me what is this something that we're that is that that is new in this case because in the books he's a freaking cyborg. Okay, because I, I didn't I don't I didn't know, know what this shit was, is all so. about. And well, he's cyborg human. So in this case, I'm like Martian Manhunter. Is it a clone? Like what the hell is going on? Because that didn't feel like a cyborg type of eyes to me. It just looked like very how should I say it? Um, it looked very. I don't know biology lag and so in terms of how the the eyes change. So I actually no fucking idea what's going on. I'm guessing that this is just a new take on Cyborg Superman, or if I guess Alien Superman. You know, I don't know. It, it's it's. It, I was confused like crazy because I'm like I did not expect it to reveal something like that in just episode two. Um, Agascles, do you by any chance have you read any of Supergirl's comic books or know maybe about a little bit about the uh, Hank Henshaw and maybe what. He could be or potentially be down the line. 
I don't, I don't know much about Hank Henshaw directly. Um, I, I, you know, going back and, and so I wrote a review of this episode and it pulled in, you know, stuff about this episode, but also in terms of its progression from the premiere to now. And, and one of the things I commented on is that I do like the injection of the DEO, um, and their use of that organization in the show, uh, you know, that what that organization in the comics is about is about, uh, in a lot of cases, is, is either covertly operating with heroes and getting them to um, provide assistance, assistance to the government without it being public. So kind of a little secret Avengers-like, uh, as, as they've done in Marvel. Um, but one of the other things that that organization about a lot of times is about, uh, you know, forcing these secret identities of these metahumans and superheroes into the public. Um, so that the public is aware of, of who they are, and that gets them a bad rep. Uh, I, I, I speculated very briefly that maybe uh, Hank Henshaw is, uh, is Mr. Bones. Um, that, was a, that was a far-reaching speculation. Uh, that's probably not what he is. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not absolutely positive. I, I would go with Andy's um, thought that, that he's some cyborg, uh, and, the, and maybe the special effect choice maybe wasn't the best, um, but... But, uh, but I am hoping that we get to see Mr. Bones at some point um, what, with the DEO being on the show. I know my, I know one of the co-hosts of Supergirl Radio would be would, would cheer so loudly for what you just said because she, um, Rebecca also wants to see um, Dr. Bones as well and so on. And I think we – I don't think that's actually out of the realm of possibility and so on because I don't see a Mr. Bones movie ha- happening anytime soon. And I don't know if he's actually someone that they would consider having in the cinematic universe. So – I don't know, you know, and it's because it's he's connected to the EO, I'm sure that could actually happen. Now, I can I interject? Uh, I just looked up a quick Wikipedia, I did, did a quick Wikipedia search, and uh, he was reintroduced um, back in the 90s as the original cyborg Superman during the reign of the Superman storyline following Superman's death. Hmm. According to Wikipedia, it could be totally wrong. I think they called someone a ferret, so uh, <laughs> uh, I could be totally wrong. We'll find out later. Well, there you just <laughs> gave yourself cool. homework. You just gave yourself homework, Matt. Well, it is <laughs> yeah. true because that's kind of almost common knowledge that um, it's, it's like it's all on the it's all on the covers of that those um, comics that happen and so on. And that's pretty much the only thing he's known for because after that, I don't think he was as big as um, you know. I don't know, like as you know, like moving forward, you know. Now, um, there seems to be a lot of teasing of Kara and Jimmy and a potential uh, romantic storyline going on somewhere down the line. Uh, it's, it's, it's there. Sarah, what do you think of, of that? Do you think it's something that they need to have? Do you think it's something that's being forced? Or what do you think? Why did I know that you were going to ask me about the love interest? God, Pete. <laughs> the, you're the Olicity uh, chairman. That so. what, that has like nothing to do with it, and that's a stereotype. Thank you very much, jerk. <laughs> yeah, Pete, I'm that's the one that watches Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Come on, man, you could have asked me that. <laughs> wow, Matt, I am going to watch that show now because he recommended it. So it's ridiculous. Anyways, <laughs> yep, like, I'll continue. No, oh, you know what? You know why I asked you that question, Sarah? Because I'm I'm curious as to what you think of if if it belongs as because I know you're so big on story. Is it something that Supergirl needs story wise? 
Um, nice safe feet, by the way. Well, I mean, my dad actually told me um, when I was younger that, like, the only stories in life are boys chase the girls, girls chase the boys, and to be politically correct, boys chase the boys and girls chase the girls. So, I mean, there's always got to be, like, a love storyline in, in, in pretty much any show. Um, and I think they all have them. Now, Jimmy and her, I just feel like he's a bit old for her. I have no idea why. <laughs> but to me, that's the creepy part because I'm like, he's really a lot older looking than her. And I don't I don't understand. Um, I, I neither like and then you have Wynn around, too, who potentially could be one. But we definitely like really, her. I don't see, yeah, it's an unrequited love story. I don't see the chemistry between any of those legs of the triangle, so <laughs> I don't really know. Um, so, yeah, there's my thoughts about it. Nothing's working for me yet. Okay. Um, now, I'm curious, what do you guys, now this is just kind of open to everybody here, but what do you guys think of Cat Grant and her kind of, Really, really wanting to do the uh, the interview with Supergirl to the point where it dragged all the way out to the end. And then she did, you know, I mean, it was kind of forced. She was either going to fire Jimmy or she was going to get the interview. Um, what do you guys think of that? Do you think it was good? Do you think it was maybe paralleled, you know, Lois Lane trying to interview Superman? Um, somebody talk. Somebody let me know what to think about that. Anybody? So, also kind of chewing on a few. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't think about that. I, I think it was markedly different than the Lois Clark tack, um, per- particularly if you're referencing that from the Richard Donner Superman the Motion Picture um, setup. I, I mean, it was. I, I think it was good being part of the storyline. Um, I'm wondering. I'm very curious to see how Kara addresses it because my my hope is that she gives her the interview. But um, I kind of mentioned last week that one of the little things I love whenever they do it with Superman, or in this case, Supergirl, is when they make those tiny, kind of t- tiny undertone-oriented uh, threats that, that clearly establish that they are a superior being, and if they have to use their power, they will. Um, I'm hoping that she addresses the threat of... The, uh, I'm hoping that she addresses Cat threatening to fire Jimmy over the Super, Supergirl interview in a very kind of head-on manner and and lets Cat know that that's not going to be acceptable in the future. And doesn't just let that kind of go by and, you know, be, be kind of a throwaway uh, event in the show. Anybody else want to chime in on this before we move on? I, I agree with what he said. Okay, so... Uh, okay, so... And, and by, oh, by the way, oh. I totally ship uh, Jimmy and Carr, just so you know. <laughs> I had a feeling you did, Andy. And, he, um, and yet, you only ask the female <laughs> about the shipping question. It's not like males can ship either, Pete. Oh, Andy, of course. He Seriously, saved Pete. Don't have to bring it up again. Come <laughs> on, oh, man. He saved it already. It's all good. Um, now, I, I want to. Okay, actually, no. I have one more question about Supergirl. Now, a lot of a lot there's a lot of um, you know questions about the pilot episode. Um, I'll I'll bring this one to Sarah. Uh, did you find anything in the second episode that? made you enjoy the show more or are you still kind of there but you still are waiting to see more 
Um, I'm definitely waiting to see more. I still don't feel the emotional hooks that we were talking about last week, or I was not talking about last week, but you guys spoke for me, or Casey did. Um, no, Cisco spoke for you. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, Cisco took care of that. Um, so I'm still waiting for that. I did appreciate the sister relationship that they explored, um, and I'm interested to see that progression. But outside of that, I just really want to know. I am tired of hearing Kara um, continue to say, I just really wanted to help people. Well, a lot of people want to help people, but why you? <laughs> like, I want more motivation than just that just nonchalant, very generic one. So I'm hoping um, we... There's more to Kara than just being super um, man's cousin. So, okay, may I ask a follow-up question to that? Yeah. Okay. So, okay, I totally get what you're saying. Um, but you know, but Superman kind of wants that same thing. And are you? Have you been? Like, I don't know, like what your your opinions are of Superman in general. So, but like, do you kind of like you know his kind of goody two-shoe thing? So, like, oh, I just want to you know be good here for humanity and stuff like that. No, I've never actually been interested in Superman as <laughs> like hero either i've never really cared for his character i've never understood his character or what what the purpose was so okay fair enough uh agascles what about you same question about uh thoughts on the second episode versus the first episode oh i'm 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 way up I, oh cool if 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 my theoretical review score of the premiere hadn't been a 7.0 i'd almost say i've done a complete 180 um Although my my actual review score for the second episode was just a seven point five, but but I think you I think Pete you saw on the Twitter feed this was mm-hmm. this was minus the Walking Dead because the Walking Dead scale is like on another planet. <laughs> it's, it's really not fair to compare it to the other shows. So if I if I subtract the Walking Dead, this was essentially my number one show of the nice. episodes that came out uh, this week for me. Um, you know. And a big reason is because a lot of the critiques that I had from the premiere, in some ways they corrected them. Um, I, I agree with Sarah on the number of emotional hooks, but the, the impact of the sister relationship providing that emotional hook that I was looking for, um, it, it, it meets that requirement, at least as a start. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the fact that they stopped the whole he, him, the big guy that whole thing of just not mentioning Superman as well as not calling out Lois Clark and Perry White. Like I'm so glad that they dispensed with that this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes the whole thing seem way less pretentious. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's just, it, it, it felt like a big major turnaround for me. Um, there's, there are some things I didn't like. I, I, I don't like the Kryptonians um, because I don't know why those guys always come in packs of three. Um, you know, so, that is a trend, isn't it? Yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's my one comment, and that's, that's the, kind of the risky thing with the show for me, and, and the, I guess where I am in the, in the wait-and-see mode is that there's, there's, there's no way that they're not going to do periodic call-outs to past renditions of Superman, um, either the Richard Donner series or the Lois and Clark series. Um, I, I'm sure there's probably somebody out on the web who's doing this way better than I do, but I'm sure that they're dropping call-outs to, like, the George Reeves black-and-white Superman show, and I'm just missing them because I'm not familiar with that content. Um, but the problem is, the concern I have is if they, if they do that too frequently, it, it, it winds up becoming a trope. And that's, I felt like they did maybe too much of that in the first episode. So 
So I don't really know that they need to do that uh, every episode. I'm, I, what I wrote is I hope they do it maybe over three or four. And there was still a bit too much of it in this one. You know, they did that whole that whole sequence of her doing the smaller things. I mean, that's that's the, that's straight up the the super crime fighter and super rescues sequence from the Richard Donner Superman the motion picture. Um, you know, you know, Clark rescued a cat in a tree. She showed up, and it was a snake. I mean, I, I mean, you, you, I, I, who names him Fluffy? <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of that going on, and there's a certain element of that that's cute, right? That's like a oh, that's neat. They're doing a call out. It's nostalgic, um, you know. But if they keep on doing that, it, it gets problematic. The Kryptonians look just like the Kryptonians from Lois and Clark. They they've just taken off the quilted vests so that they're in, a, in just an all black suit. So I, I'm I'm hoping there's a, le- a lessening of that and uh and a little more i guess creativity um i think matt mentioned the uh the the bad the the bad guy this week i'm not sure matt if you were talking about the kind of vampire looking thing with the three-way jaw um yeah yes the hell the hellgramite but like that's that's exactly like a reaper from blade 2 so, so I'm hoping they <laughs> start widening that. the aperture up a little bit and <laughs> and maybe lessen the rehashes that they're doing. But uh, but I'm definitely on board for the rest of the season. So, uh, Matt. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Danny. No, I I was going to say that the thing that I also liked was that you, like he said, you know, with the fact that we, you know, they kind of heard what people were saying probably from Comic Con that you know that there was a whole well, why can't they say Superman and so on? I think they kind of like decided to fix it quickly. But something I really enjoyed with this episode was kind of like whole psychoanalysis of what is it like to actually be in Superman's shadow and so on. Because she does go on and say, you know, I don't want to be a hero like him. I want to be my own kind of so And I kind of think that it's kind of a good little nod to the audience that it, they're always ask, you know, just referring to Superman as, oh, he's just Superman's cousin and so on. Like, because this character can be so much more than just, you know, his pretty cousin from another planet. And uh, I kind of like the fact that they kind of have that. The, the show is aware of that it needs to kind of prove itself that you know like you know how can supergirl be her own thing without having to be compared to her cousin because that's kind of the problem with the whole thing you know with any any you know legacy type of character you know there's you know with all the flashes that are out there all the green lanterns are out there and so on like you know how do you separate one another from each other whether they're family or not so i kind of like that whole theme that that they're probably going to be exploring throughout the whole series that how can i be you know and it's kind of a good theme from the dc universe so on like there's so many heroes out there. How do I stand out as my own hero? And I think that it's kind of nice that Supergirl is, that's kind of going to be one of her quests as well, not just going up against her own family. I kind of like, uh, I'm crazy aunt um, Astra and the whole thing. I liked Helcomite, by the way. I was surprised at how well they did him and so because, you know, in the comics, he's, well, he's literally just a giant bug. So, but I like that, you know, another theme is that she's going to be, working on like what can i do to stand out how do i not get compared to my cousin every single day or every single month or whatever and so like how can i just be look it's super old the girl steal the the national city the, the hero of national city um matt why don't you uh round out run it up for us here i just wanted to say like uh just kind of jumping off of what andy was saying um where the how do how does um kara like kind of that was, a, that was a big theme in the show. How is she herself? What's my identity? And I think uh, it, it's great it, that she's doing that and that she like is kind of struggling with it. And she, well, not really struggling. She wants to be, you know, she's like, that's not me, this and that. And it's great that she says that aloud. But I think it would have been like 
a little more interesting or less on the nose. So it, it's kind of a discovery for the audience to say, oh, she is different from Superman because of these ways. If they didn't make that the kind of the forefront, you know, like in The Flash, if we make some more comparisons, uh, like um, I knew immediately that uh, – I almost said Wally West – that uh, <laughs> that uh, Grant Gustin's version of The Flash and uh, the Golden Age Flash, there are – like totally different but they all have that sense of justice and it's not because they both said hmm you know i'm the golden age flash and i'm a little rough around the edges or i don't want to be like you barry because i'm older and wiser they just kind of presented them in that way and it was the audience's like kind of discovery of distinguishing there's they're both the flash but they're two different types and this and that so i would have liked more subtlety i guess and differentiating yourself through that. Does that kind of make sense? But, well, let me, let me ask you that because, because yeah. um, I mean, your your comment f- focused on uh, what what Kara said about what she wanted to be. Um, let me ask you about the lead into that. But do you think that a lot of uh, viewers get that one of the character flaws of Superman is what she said about he's always out trying to solve the problem himself? Because that, that, to me, was kind of the big uh, insight. Yeah, that was the big takeaway, right? Right, yeah. was that. And, and, then, and then calling that out, to me, made it feel a little more natural that she would then have the comparison that she didn't want to be like that. I, you know, I that, think that's, that's true. A, I didn't think about that. That's right, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was, I was, I was just going to say that, um, that that was a thing that was, that was very poignant to me, is that that's a thing that's not called out frequently, and I, I think that's a lot of. I think that's the thing about the Superman character that a lot of people, even big comic book readers, don't get that. That <laughs> seemingly the difference is, is that you know Superman always thinks that because of his power level, a lot of times he can just kind of shoulder things on his own and and will screw them up, and then that's when the League needs to show up a lot of times. For whatever reason, Batman can take off and do things on his own and just pulls them <laughs> off. So that's always kind of a, a neat comparison between those two. And then, and I think and then that's, Pete, oh, go sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was just going to chime in saying, and that's what I'm kind of excited about for the rest of the season is um, we saw kind of glimpses of, like, she's like, you know, train me to be as good as you. She's talking to her sister, and she's like, I'll make you better. And I'm like, wow, can you imagine, like, like um, a Kryptonian actually doing, like, martial arts and not just punching really hard? That's yeah, pretty I, cool. I'd like to see that. And I then, love that they're um, doing that in the show. And that, and that yeah. they're not just going to make it about her showing up and being super strong. Yeah, I like that she has, you know, the, they're all like, technique, technique, you know, like in, in that chamber that she's finding her sister. And I thought that was really, or, oh, sister, cousin, whatever. Uh, and then uh, I, I, was, I was very excited to see, like, okay, is she going to do a flash forward for, like, the third episode? And now she's, like, super good or... Is it kind of like no, a Black Canary kind of thing where it's like she's going to get some hits in, get hit to show that, oh, she's still getting trained. And then but still saves the day. So, you know, be a gradual kind of thing. And that's what's pretty fun. That's what I'm excited for. It reminds me about season nine of, of Smallville when um, how many of you guys watch Smallville here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. OK, so well, in season nine and Clark decides, you know, when he decides to take one step further to be, you know, reaching his destiny. So one thing that he d- did was that he, you know, jor actually trained him like in his sporting zone with some you know like martial arts and you know combat training and stuff like that and that's kind of what i'm enjoying here too because you know there's going to be obvious obviously some times in the show when she will lose her powers temporarily because of me you know i don't know blue kryptonite solar eclipse <laughs> i don't know uh, and um 
and she's going to have to rely on her other skills then. So it's kind of good that Al is kind of, this is going to sound so, but she's tr- training her to be a human soldier in a way and not just a Kryptonian hero. Um, the, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just, the, the last thing I want to throw up here, major reason why I'm on board too is, uh, is Maxwell Lord. So that, that character being made available for this show. I have a back a follow question today. Do you like the fact that he's supposedly doesn't have powers in this in this version because you know it wasn't his power like that he could it's kind of like mind control or something? Yeah, it's like mind control on on methamphetamine injected steroids. But yeah, yeah, no, he but he he seems intriguing. I agree with you. I was also surprised when they like they announced because I was in the room when they announced that at Comic Con. That uh, you know we're adding this character and this character, and they they suddenly bring out this actor Peter Fascinelli for Maxwell. I'm like, oh shit! I did not know they because it's like, look, we all we're all aware that there are some restrictions, sadly, between DC TV shows and DC mm-hmm. movies. So it's like, Legends is getting Metal Savage, Supergirl is getting Maxwell Lord. I'm like, could we actually get Darkseid again on TV at this point? Because it's like. We're getting some of the, it's like through being open minded and not being like you know no he's too big he has to be only on the big screen because then we can make all the money. That's 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 exactly how executives of Warner Bros. sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll say I, I did think the casting of Peter Fascinelli as Maxwell Lord is really cool. Um, it's it was, I, I what think. You, what have you seen him in before? Um, well, I mean, this goes back like a long ways, but I was actually just watching Can't Hardly Wait, and he's. He's great as like the big, big dumb jock guy. Best teen movie ever. It, it really is. <laughs> Maybe not the best. One of my favorite though. It's a it's a good it's a classic one for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just wanted to end it with and the Supergirl talk with. I, I enjoyed it. I I I've enjoyed it since the pilot episode. So. Um, so so I was right that I knew you guys were gonna like episode two a lot more than. Yeah, and it's it's it is really trending in the right right direction. I think, and uh, I'm definitely excited. Also on to Twitter. See. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it really is. Nice, nice one there, Andy. Um, you you right. set it up for me. So. I did, I did. Um, so well. All right, so moving on to uh, a very, very big show uh, in terms of who was on it, uh, Arrow, um, and we'll get into uh, we'll get into Constantine a little bit, but I want I want to kick things off and talk about the Oliver and Laurel relationship this week, and I just wanted to say that you know it, it seems to me like they've done. I don't know. Maybe this is just me. You guys, I'm interested to see what you guys think of this. Oliver's growth in the first few episodes here, to me, he's a different character than he has been the first three seasons. Um, for example, when uh, he finds out about Sarah and he talks to Laurel about how they went to Nenda Parvat and, and, and brought her back to life. To me, first three seasons of Arrow, Oliver would have flipped out. He would have gone crazy. He would have yelled at him and blah, blah, blah. It would have just came off really dumb. Whereas this Oliver is super calm and he's like, okay, I'm not mad at you about this. I'm mad because you didn't tell me we could have stopped her from killing people. Um, And he was really cool and calm about it. And I was just, to me, I see a lot of growth in his character. And maybe it's the writers, they decided to take a bit more of a serious look on it you know more serious than what they normally do uh and so to me i just see a lot of growth with his character over there over this season so far i hope it continues uh, mm-hmm. matt what matt what do you think of of that do, do you think do you see the same growth or am i am i uh seeing things i 
Absolutely, and it kind of parallels like the 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 light a lot of more lighter notes like that are written into the show, and especially for uh, Oliver's character. Uh, yeah, like at certain points, like the whole uh, scenes with, with with Constantine, he was literally just like, "What? What the hell was that?" Like that was <laughs> it, he pretty much just said that, and uh, and the whole thing with like Laurel scene, and like man, their their interactions in this episode was just kind of jumping off from last week. Just some of the best this show's ever seen. This really really strong episode for both of them, and um, especially them just like you know what we're friends, and then Laurel blowing up at him, and she was apologizing. You know what? My, that's that's on me, my bad, and you know I just I just want us to be good because I want to save the city and this and that instead of just like you know they're even like um, I think like Thea's like before um, Sarah was going after her, she was like man I don't want like another speech from my brother or whatever and then hangs up on the phone or something mm-hmm. like that and that's what we would have seen from previous seasons but then. You know, when he kind of found out about that whole thing. Yeah, he got mad, but it was just like, well, you could have, like, asked me for help and, instead of just not telling me. So, And he apologized for being, like, you know, before. I'm I'm sorry about before if I felt like, if I made you feel like you can't come to me or something like that. And I was like, wow, that's that's very mature of you, Oliver. <laughs> that's that's really cool. I I love hearing that. And he's really embracing, like, the, 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 the change when he came back, you know, from his little stint. So, um he wants to be a better person. He wants to be someone else, Green Arrow. So I think that's really cool. Sarah, what be something else? <laughs> um, Sarah, should have taken the dramatic pauses. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, you should have. Um, Sarah, what do you think of, of that? Do you like the writing of, of Oliver's character this season, or or do you think there's still um, do you think there's still a lot more room to grow? Um. Yeah, I like the writing this season of Oliver's character. Um, I've never had a problem with how he's been written, though, so that may be why. Well, wait, really? Sorry, yeah. I, I, I did not mean to say that out loud, but I'm like, wait, really? <laughs> no, like... You've never I, had a problem with the fact that he has been the biggest, like, the worst man on television towards women like Laurel. You don't have a problem with the fact that he's, that he's been arrogant, lying to his own team, and all this... You had never, like... I'm not criticizing you, I'm just wondering, are you... You've never had a problem with any of that. Like, I need so, to sit down. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like confused. As so, wasn't that the point though? Because he goes from an assassin into a hero, and so you're seeing that evolution. So you make him a dick in the first few seasons, and then you, like, he evolves. As well, that doesn't mean it's do. a problem. It, well, that doesn't mean it's not a problem. You know, it, it was a huge problem, and it's something like. You know, I think as a you know any viewer would pro- you know because I've seen a lot of viewers have problem with the fact that he has been a huge dick and so and speaking of dicks, Flash had a big one this week. But either way, I, I you know, as someone who's been watching the show since the beginning, I've had a problem with you know him. You know, look, it's there's one difference of being an assassin and going from an assassin to a hero, but then there's one thing of being a d- complete douchebag then going from that to being nice and so on. But are, are you guys talking? Are you, are you guys talking two different things, Andy? Because because it sounds, and I'm just guessing here, so if I'm wrong, I mean, definitely call me wrong. It, it sounds like you're saying your problem with, with it is that he was a prick. But I think maybe what Sarah's, a, Sarah's saying is she gets that he's a prick, but he's intentionally written that way. And, and, and I think maybe she was hearing the question is, do you have a problem with the writing of his character rather than his character in general? Does that kind of make sense? I think it does. Uh, because, you know, I... 
And I know that Andy very feels very strongly about uh, the Oliver character and, and, and Laurel's relationship. Um, now, I'm curious, Andy, what do you think of, of the, the kind of hints we were getting to to them in the future, if there even is a future that they want to write with these two characters? Uh, did you like that uh, they've gone they, – their, their relationship has evolved? Um, and, and do you think we can see more of, of this as we go forward? I mean, you know, look, with a show like this, you know, anything is literally – possible you know nothing is set in stone and i'm, I'm sure 500 elicity fans will be tweeting me after this and so on that oh of course it's set in stone it's never gonna happen but um you know but something that i want to say you know like i you know i just appreciate the fact that, look whether they get together in the end or not you know look if they get together i will be very happy because i think we should kind of we should get you know we have a perfect green arrow right now and a perfect black canary i would love for at least one of these da- damn live action interpretations to actually get it right um but, you know, even if they don't get together and so on, I was just happy for the fact that after three seasons, because it's been, it's been go- this kind of bullshit has been going on for three years now between those two. It's been a damaged relationship. And I love the fact that, first of all, Laurel called out Oliver on his enormous hypocrisy and uh, that the fact that he did not treat her like an equal. Um, like, I can't remember the last time I actually stood up in my living room and applauded a scene of Arrow and so on. I don't think I've done that since... Season two, maybe that's how bad season three was, where I couldn't really feel proud of anything in in Arrow at all. But I love the fact that you know they cleared the air, they rebooted their relationship, and the fact that Oliver decided to you know just ignore that. What was the name of that politic douchebag? And Andre Alex, I don't know. I don't give a fuck. Either way, he decided to ignore his advice of oh, you should avoid Laurel Lands because it'll be a political scandal or whatever. Um, friends over politics. The end. Um, Yes, you know, I think they're hinting that, you know, something could definitely happen down the line. But the fact that they're just best friends again, that they're willing to start it over and so on, is that's enough for me, honestly. Um, but, you know, you know Pete, you're, you're right. I'm, you know, I feel strongly about Canero, and I think it may as well actually happen at some point. Um, uh, but either way, I just respect the fact that the writers knew that Oliver has been a big hypocrite. He's been a d- big douchebag, and they kind of decided to fix it. And... So if they're just going to be best friends throughout for the rest of the series, that's fine by me as well. I just love the fact that he's now respecting her, showing you know, being equal, you know, sh- treating her like an equal, and not crapping on her all the time because, for some reason, he can only be nice to one woman at a time. I love that they're actually showing that he can think with his brain instead of it, just his penis, and that he can actually be <laughs> nice to multiple women at the same time. Yeah, and then Thea actually did say, I'm proud of you when uh, his oh, political like strategist yeah, yeah. Uh, was like, oh, what did I tell you about staying away from Laurel Lance? And he was like, no, she's my friend. And and that was my really good friend. to see. That was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Her, his best friend. That was, and I thought that was a really nice moment in this show because it really, is it, to me, was another, uh, it was another uh, sign of him growing as a character and, and the writers allowing his character to grow. Um, yeah. No, because this is the woman he's known. Sorry, I just wanted to say that uh, this is the woman he's known for the longest. In you know, in, you know, aside from Fee and so on, they know each other before he, he got to the island and after he came in from the island. Like, they know each other in and out. So it only makes sense for them to actually kind of get close again and so. And like I said, that doesn't mean it has to go in a romantic direction. So is that what I prefer? Yes, but you know, isn't it just great when male character can actually respect multiple women at the same time? <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, that's the writers there, Andy. You know that. Um, 
they were aware of the problem, at least. That's what I appreciated. And yeah. once again, um, for anyone who disagrees with me, feel free to tweet. I mean, we, <laughs> I, I, well, I can just enjoy ignoring the hell out of you because I don't take hate. <laughs> now, one of the reveals, the huge reveals at the end of the show was that <laughs> huge. Ray Palmer is, is alive and well. Well, not well, but he's alive. And uh, that's and pretty much trouble. <laughs> he's in trouble, and we're gonna pick that up in, in the next episode. But um, is he in huge trouble or small trouble? <laughs> huh? A little, little bit huh? of both. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Gasicles, what do you think of of the reveal of Ray Palmer and the way they're handling it um, on uh, on Arrow? Um, so I guess I didn't really think of it much as a reveal, um, and and you know the way I approach this stuff, I, I'm not I'm not a person who who digs through and, and tries to surface all of like the, the, the leaks and inside stories. I, I try as much as possible to watch this like a normal viewer. So, but th- that all being said, it was, it's been telegraphed and quite obvious that, that, you know, Adam has been alive and that he's the guy, um, you know, pranking Felicity's phone, so to speak. Uh, so I'm just glad they're getting around to it. Uh, I think, you know, between the flash and the arrow, um, it's it's getting a little burdensome, like the the, the constant drumbeat for Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, it's also very early. Uh, it's, I mean, it's you know it's been it's been happening since the you know within the first month of the of the show seasons, and it's got to build you know through this month and next month. Um, I don't necessarily know that we needed like a twelve or thirteen episode. Uh, maybe not 12 or 13, but, you know, an, an eight or nine episode run up to the Legends of Tomorrow premiere um, w- with drib drabs like, you know, in the last five minutes of each of these shows for the next, you know, for a four month period. Um, so so I'm, I'm just kind of at the point where I'm just, yeah, just just get on with it. And, and then, you know, with some of the stuff that they've dropped, I'm like, you know, once once you inject or introduce those characters, do you do you have to keep touching on them? You know, like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Flash, and they obviously popped Hawkgirl uh, this week. Um, and, you know, and now Sarah is back, and she's obviously a part of that. The, I mean, I, I guess Sarah, at a minimum, has to show up every episode of Arrow from now until she, you know, shifts over to Legends of Tomorrow. Um, and I'm just worrying how much that additional extra character baggage uh, is going to inject. Um, kind of like Sarah mentioned, you know, last week that you know the, the the shows the shows are kind of being dragged around um to support the legends of tomorrow release and, and does that create some contrivances that maybe otherwise wouldn't be there i feel it's more organic as opposed to how season one of shield was being done where you know you had the first f- 15 first episodes of that season having to hold back everything before when a soldier came out because Hydra was a you know, spoiler by the way if you haven't seen the movie uh, Hydra was a big part of it and it kind of you know sort of destroyed Shield if not completely and so I think that was poorly treated but I think with Flash and Arrow setting up Legends Tomorrow you know even though Legends Tomorrow may not have always been a planned show that it was you know maybe they didn't have the plan from the very beginning and so on the way that the writers have been able to work with that both on flash and arrow has actually felt kind of organic because it also gives us it doesn't give away too much of damien dark even so as he is kind of like the big bad of the season but he's kind of like he he does you know factor into some of these plots you know something may be involved with race thing next week he you know he kind of affected one of the characters of um that almost killed sarah which was quentin so you know i think it's kind of 
it doesn't feel forced, in my opinion. Uh, if that's the same thing as contrived, um, it's a new word to me, so I have, I'm not really used to it. But either way, I I think it's blending in organically and so on because it's not really holding back anything because, you know, Oliver and Damien are not supposed to fight out just yet. You know, they're, you know, we were kind of building up to that towards the end of the season. So, right, I think they're kind of just establishing their new season as like what's going on in their world, who are these characters now, and where they're going. And then we can start to kind of get into the big bass that they're going up against and, you know, the, the bigger force and so on. And, uh, and, you know, the fact that we're getting a show like Legends Tomorrow, I, I'm still flabbergasted that we're getting a team superhero show that is going to be doing time traveling against Vandal Savage. So, you know, I personally feel it's not forced. I think it's kind of, it's been blending in pretty nicely and organically. Yeah, I'm glad you guys brought that up because that was actually going to be my question. So that was a good segue. Matt, what do you think of, of how we're getting these little – it seems like they're Easter eggs now, but it could turn into more, obviously, as we lead up to Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. But what do you think of, of these characters kind of popping up now? And, and we know who they're going to be. But do you think they're, it's, it's being handled well on Arrow as well as The Flash? I think this is kind of like the problem with following it so closely, at least for me, because I feel like knowing that that show is out and watching like the trailer like once a day and being super excited for that and like knowing when it's coming out and seeing like it, it being charted out through the shows, like that kind of keeps it a little like uh just like let me have it now like it brings up that feeling because i because i already know it's coming being if if i was like someone who who didn't know about that show like ahead of time and then boom by the way all these people they've been popping up in these crossover shows they're gonna have their own show i think that would have blown my mind like when it finally happened but now it's just like okay build up build up build up whatever just get to it i feel like that kind of kind of ruins the show that I'm watching but if it was if these characters are more integrated into the storyline of like Arrow or The Flash like their respective main storylines I think I would have not liked it anymore having these tiny little sprinkles of each one like little breadcrumbs leading to it is probably the the best case scenario for fans who are like super fans where they like like us where we know when it's coming like, we know what it's leading to and this and that. And we've seen the trailer and we dissected this and that. Um, but we know so little, though, about it. So that's the kind of the clever thing CW is doing is that, yes, we're getting a lot of setup towards the characters. Uh, but they're not really necessarily giving away too much of the Legends Plaza. Because, look, even I, who spend a lot of time covering these things on, you know, like news sites and stuff like that, even I don't know that much on the, about the show. I know, like, oh, they're adding this character, they're adding this character, and they're going to be adding this character later in that season. But there's so little that we yet know. We we, we have still not seen an yeah. actual, you know, proper trailer. That trailer we saw in May was just a proof of concept to just say, hey, advertisers at the upfronts, here, here's what we're doing this this season. Buy advertising with us and whatever. Um because yeah, that I was- think all these teasing, these sprinklings could have been done closer to the launch date. So we're not just seeing like one person every episode. You know, it would have been cool to see like maybe reveals like a couple episodes before their launch of like before like the you know mid season kind of. Well, uh, how many break. how many episodes how many episodes do you feel are enough as opposed to that are too many? Like one or two. <laughs> like that, that, that's, that's let me not focus on work. the show. Like let me focus on my show. Let like. Let's not, you know, have that storyline 
be parallel with the main storyline of the show because I tune into Arrow to watch Arrow characters, and it's and it's clever. Well, and, and Sarah and, are Arrow characters, so I, it's, I know, kind of but it's like it's they're they're so done. They they killed him in the last season, you know. Like it's okay, great. Like they killed Sarah too, Matt. Yeah, like <laughs> and now they're just, bringing him back. It's just like let it let like the show be itself and then sprinkle it in later. You know, I don't know. I I, I don't think two I, episodes are. I don't think two episodes are enough. I think that's actually where it would have felt rushed. Uh, I think it's you know, kind of for you know, both the fans are kind of established with these characters, and for fans who are just getting introduced to these characters, you can't just spe- you know throw two episodes and be like, okay, now you're done. Go watch Legends. So why don't I, you just have Legends tell their own like origin stories on their own episode instead of well, using up like precious time on like the existing shows. Well, here's the thing. I can see both sides of the argument. I, I'm a fan of, of when little Easter eggs are revealed, but I, I do agree yeah. to a point with you guys that there, it, there's, there tends to be that maybe a little too early, too soon. Um, you know, like Agascoli said, it's, it's, it's happening all within the first month of these shows premiering. Um, and there's still, we still, what, they're, they're not going to hit their mid-season break till what, middle of December? And then what two or three weeks later is we're going to get Legends of Tomorrow. So I, I do agree in that, in that sense um, that they probably could have waited maybe at least if, if, they, if they want to sprinkle and dash characters from Legends of Tomorrow, that's fine. Um, but I think that maybe some things could have been pushed off uh, or pushed up a little bit closer to the launch date of Legends of Tomorrow. Now, yeah. with that said, I'm also a fan of Easter eggs. I'm a fan of seeing these things pop every pop up every now and again. I think what we have to also look at is the context these characters are put in. Now, these characters, even though we know who they're going to be in the show, they're going to be on. We're not. They're, they're not putting these characters on Arrow and Flash and saying, "Oh, um, this could potentially be a team down the line." Oh, you guys could all potentially work together. So I, I think that we also should look at how they're introduced. And, and like Matt said, we know these characters, even though like Ray and Sarah were killed off and they're coming back now and we know why. Um, I, I think there is a little bit of element of the story being played in. They're not just being thrown at us. I mean, Damien Dark, you know, tried to influence Quentin as to, to kill, uh, to kill um, Sarah you know, if there was no Legends of Tomorrow, would have this been just a separate story of Ray being rescued and him finally being able to be the Adam that we know in the comic books? Um, so I guess you know, I'm on I'm on both sides. I think that it should have been held off a little bit, but I'm I I kind of like seeing characters pop up as long as they don't take away too much. I guess I can see. If you know you are turning turning into the shows and you do want to see uh, your characters that you do know and love that are the core characters of Flash and Arrow, um, I think it'd be different to me. I think it would be different if these characters we had never seen them before and we knew there was a show called Legends of Tomorrow coming out, and all of a sudden this is being rushed till for the next three months. Till we get Legends of Tomorrow. Does that make any sense? Am I making any yeah, sense? Yeah, like if we'd never seen them before. Yeah, if we'd yeah. never seen them before, um, to me, then it would be like, whoa, what, what the heck is going on? But I do think that they are kind of now without, you know, minus Hot Girl, which, yeah, that was kind of just thrown in there this week. 
Um, not to say I didn't like it. I thought it was. I thought seeing uh, Hot Girl was still cool. Um, but uh, you know, Sarah kind of affected the story of what was going on with Arrow. Like I said, Damien Dark did kind of play a part in wanting to just get rid of her. Uh, and then, like like I said, Adam has a whole story coming up about. Obviously, we see he didn't die. So, um, and I guess my thing with it is the. Um, you know, I'm a little more where, where kind of Matt is and. And, and and Andy, my 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 metric for what would be the right fit would be like four episodes. <laughs> you know, no, that, like, I could work with that actually. Right? <laughs> and the, the, I guess the the problem I have with it is it's it's just it's just exacerbating. It's 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 exacerbating a problem that might not be as much of a problem if they weren't talking to it so directly. Um, it's very akin to me to the the problems with the new Fifty Two reboot in the DC universe, where everything was supposed to be different, but so many things were the same. And especially in the Batman comic, um, whereas all the other DC character comics were kind of reset, um, everything that existed in the Batman world remained, um, except he was just younger. Uh, and then things like, you know, the fact that Batgirl was no longer crippled wouldn't have been an issue, except they addressed it. It's it's kind of the same thing here. And what I mean by that is I, I've already had a year's worth of a problem with Ray Palmer and the Atom and him essentially being Tony Stark in, instead of him being the diminutive shrinking Atom, who, who, if you're a comic book reader, spends 90% of his time in his shrunken form. Um, so we've already kind of had to deal with that. And, and now I've got to deal with no crap, another half season, a half season, right? Because this has been going on since the premiere of getting through the story of explaining why he can now shrink. And, and that to me is just too much. Uh, I'm like, you know, and in and, and every episode we have to go through the pain of, oh, something's wrong with my phone, and, you know, to the point where I'm screaming at the television. I'm like, come on, Felicity, you're smarter than that. Surely you would have figured this out by now. Um, so it's just... But again, wouldn't be an issue if they weren't bringing it up every episode. Um, with Sarah, you now have two of the Legends of Tomorrow characters that that are being dealt with in the Arrow series, and you know now with Sarah there, either way they deal with it, to me it's going to be a problem. Either she shows up on the show and continues to work with Arrow every episode now until the mid-season finale, while we all know that she's going to leave the show. Or she does a kind of BS, I need some time alone, and packs up and disappears for two months, and then pops up near the mid-season finale just so she can pop over to Legends of Tomorrow. So it's just, it's, it's a bit of that kitchen sink effect that I sometimes talk about, like we saw like in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3 and the, and the X-Men 3, where they've just junked so much stuff into what should be a smaller, tighter package um, to the point where dealing with any of it just becomes problematic. Well, remember, you know, the crossover event, you know, that is happening with Aaron and the Flash, you know, and part two of the crossover being called Letters of Yesterday. I, I think that's where they're kind of going to be, you know, sending them off and so on. So, you know, this medicine finale can be spent for the, you know, the core, you know, for, you know, that's when kind of the show will start, you know, focusing more on its own plot and so on. I still think this is totally fine and doable as opposed to how S.H.I.E.L.D. did. And so, and I know it's a different thing because they were held back by a movie Supposedly, Arrow and Flash are now being held back by, you know, a TV show. But it's like it's not really stopping any plot. It's actually, you know, it's 
interesting arcs to me and so on. And I, don't, I guess it's also a different type of marketing that we're used to because this is how they're promoting their new show as opposed to like just putting out posters and trailers and stuff like that because, you know, we're in just in the beginning of November. So it's kind of like they're, that's this kind of they're going to be doing and so on. And I'm, you know, as long as they're not holding back anything, that's where it works for me. And this time, that's where it did. It, that's just, this is where it does work because it doesn't feel like it's being held back. And I know I I I, think I agree with you though. Like if they was only do, if they were only doing four episodes, that would have been fine with me as well. Maybe not four four eight episodes would be necessary, but you know four would be do, doable and so on. But it's at le- can we all agree that this season has been at least more enjoyable than the first couple episodes that we saw of season three of Arrow? Oh yeah, like yeah. W- without a doubt, it's it's enjoyable. But I I think it is holding the show back because we have a new cool villain, and I think. Like the couple of minutes here or there just to talk about Sarah, to talk about Ray, it could have been devoted to, okay, how do we stop Damien Dark from taking over the city? You know, like how, like, like it's, I feel like it's still just, it, scenes could have been longer, things could have been like added in or something like that where, where it feeds the main storyline rather than talking about this you know, we're, so we're early seeing, in the season. We're seeing much less of him than we saw of Malcolm Merlin, aren't we? In season one, yeah, like the the dude just cut his hand and just gave his blood to become like have powers. Are we just gonna leave it at that? Like we haven't <laughs> seen anything, you know, like like new from him in a while. Besides, oh yeah, I don't kill Sarah because you know she doesn't have a soul. But I didn't tell you that, you know. And it's like, like no, there's so many cool things about him that we that he could be doing. He could be super evil and doing other things, but we're we're focusing on. I mean, I don't want to complain too much because the whole Sarah thing. Like they dedicated three episodes to that and brought back Constantine on TV, so I am not complaining and, about that part at and, least. And also, <laughs> thanks to the whole return of Sarah, it also, you know, in a way, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I, you know, I totally think this is the case. Sarah's situation brought Oliver and Laurel closer together, and so and healed. And like Sarah's soul was not the only thing that was restored; it was also, you know, the the bond that was there between Oliver and Laurel once. So you know, that's that's a major plus in my book. Yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely like the thing that carried them, put them together. But it didn't like have to. It didn't have to be that. You know what I'm saying? Like they they could have been clever and did something else. So the, the last two things I want to say, so Pete can talk about Constantine, because I don't think we talked about Constantine at all, despite the fact that he was. The <laughs> oh yeah, he, he, he was <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> I, you know the 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 the. The Oliver Laurel thing. Uh, number number one, I think it's awesome that the show more and more is calling him Ollie. Um, I, I always had a problem with how, how often he was referred to as Oliver in the first three seasons. And I think that was deliberate because in the comics as Green Arrow, he's called Ollie um, by his colleagues much more. I mean, nobody calls him Oliver. But that, Can I that's, high-five you for that, by the way? Because I totally <laughs> agree on that. I love when they say Ollie or, you know, like, yeah, because Oliver just seems like so formal all the time. <laughs> right, right. Um, but that, that scene between uh, Ollie and Laurel, is uh, to me is textbook from the comics in terms of the definition of the relationship between Green Arrow and Black Canary. Um, that that team that 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 pair of partners work, has has worked and and is depicted as uh, as a duo for so long um, that they know each other so well and they have all of that history as they kind of depicted in that scene. That and and and, and that is a big part of their dynamic is that you know they're. You know, Black Canary consistently reminds readers uh, and and Ollie that that she is his equal. Um, that it's not you know that he hasn't been doing it longer than her, 
Um, even though the you know the TV show setup is a little different, so I, I love that scene. Um, but the last thing I was going to say about the previous conversation about this interjection of the Legends of Tomorrow stuff, um, and and Andy, you're you're feeling that that maybe isn't holding the shows back as much. Um, it, again, my big point is that I I feel like they have been holding back the character of Adam for what is going to wind up being a year and a half. Like he has been held back since the very beginning. Um, as a, as a setup piece for a lot of things that are coming down the road, and that that for me has been frustrating. No, I totally and I totally understand it. I think also it was, it was kind of stupid that oh look, so just because you couldn't get Ted Cord, you're now gonna make Adam into Iron Man. And so I totally agree with you. I think that was completely bullshit. But once they got down to oh, Zamara has been picked up for mid season, and they're now starting to explore, you know, the whole kind of the shrinking part and so on. That's kind of why it was kind of I put my you know. Issues aside from that, and so I'm looking okay, now they're giving us that. So, but I do agree with you totally that it's Ray Palmer, the character has been awesome. The Adam has just, yeah, it's been like Iron Man, but now we're getting the thing we want to see. But let's talk Constantine because I fucking <laughs> want to talk about Constantine. We will. Let's, let's talk Constantine. Now, that was, that was definitely, uh, it was great to see him. Now, I'll, I'll admit, I didn't finish the series, but I did enjoy what I saw when it was on NBC. Um, Fucking magic is so cool. <laughs> yeah, it really I is. I know, right? It really is. And it was so great to see him. I love how they kept his music every time he popped oh, up and he started. I was like, so I was good. like, thank you. Oh, so good. Thank you, the powers that be that allow that to happen because that was so freaking cool. Um, now, and um, emerged with the air of theme. theme yes, it was Sarah. so good. So well done. Um, Sarah, what? That was all Blake Neely uh, grabbing some Bear McCreary tunes <laughs> oh, and putting them in his in the show. That's kind of like, that's kind of like ketchup and mustard together on a on a, on a, on a sausage. That is, uh, I I want that needs to be part of the soundtrack when they release. Like I will <laughs> buy it and it matter to be signed by both of them because I love that merge score together. Because you know, look when it comes to music rights, you know how tricky that shit can yeah. be. Yeah. So we we you know all we need was oh they got to prove to use the same white shirt and the same red you know coat and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, that was definitely great to hear. Sarah, what did you think of Constantine uh, the character uh, and and how he was able to uh, pretty much drive this episode? Uh, and and a, a second question to that is: Did you ever catch the series when it was on NBC, and did you like it? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, Matt should talk about this. I don't want to. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> why, why, is those, why is those shy, Sarah? She's like, nah. Nah, I'm out. She did, she did this last week, too, where she was like, I, let Matt do it. And then she said, oh, I just echo everything that Matt just said. No, I'm just crazy, still but... trying to process how we're labeling Oliver as a misogynist because of his one relationship with one female character on the show. That doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, like, it's not just against Laurel. It's been a towards other women as well. Yeah, okay, please name him because you said like he finally is able to ha- be nice to two women at the same time. He's been able to be nice to Felicity, Thea, Sarah, all at the same time. So I'm very confused by that statement. How about I? We talk off air instead, and so, so just we can talk about content because yeah, like we, I, we can. It just irritated me because it just I've never viewed him in that way, and I could be completely wrong. I don't know what Pete, Matt, or a, or Clastically thinks about it, but I've never viewed him as a, a misogynist. Well, um, so, let's, let's, sorry, <laughs> I'm just still trying to like 
process that because it hit a nerve with me. <laughs> He's just so, a damn handsome man who uh, <laughs> tends to do very well with the ladies. I mean, you yeah. can't hold that against the guy, I guess. Well, we'll hold off on that because it sounds like we could definitely go on that for a little while. But let's get into the Constantine talk. Um, Matt, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, so uh, Constantine, did anyone else like... Okay, duh, white shirt. He's getting punched in the face. Duh, it's Constantine. I was still surprised when they revealed him. I was like, oh, yeah, duh. He would be uh, finding ghosts and demons on an island. That's totally him. Uh, I thought uh, his integration into the show was, like, just damn near perfect. And, like, he would never drop character. You know, like, I feel like they they didn't even write him. He just went like, no, I... I, I got it. Just hit to say action. And then just went with him. You know? It's so natural to remember on the show. And um, I love Oliver's reaction to everything that he did. Like, when he was doing incantations and was praying and stuff like that. And he did, you know, the 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 cool thing about, um, you know, they both know how to get out of handcuffs. That was, that was kind of funny. And um, I love the, the, the partnership that they, and mutual respect they had for each other in, in their scenes. And, um, just Oliver tripping out about getting a tattoo magically was was pretty funny. <laughs> I was cracking up about that for a while. Um, now he, like I said, he drove he drove the story with with uh, you know bringing Sarah's soul back and everything. Uh, Gascles, did you uh, did you enjoy uh, his banter with with everyone around him? Did you do you think like I'm just gonna play hypothetical here? But if he were to hypothetically be added to the show, do you think it would go well, or do you think he's good as just kind of the uh, reoccurring character if that were to have happened. Uh, I, I don't think it would go well. Um, but, but I say that in a positive light. Uh, one of the things I loved about this episode, and I don't know if anybody else had the same feeling, is when, when, when he was on screen, and maybe it was because he had the white shirt on and everybody else wears such dark colors, um, he, to me, he was very clearly not a part of that show. Like... You know, and, 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 and Constantine, as far as, um, as far as sets and lighting, despite its content, was a much brighter show oh, uh, yeah, than Arrow is. Looking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, much more akin to The Flash uh, than Arrow, um, just in terms of, of, uh, of, of set. Uh, but whenever he was on screen, I felt like, and, and that he, I felt like he was not a part of the general Arrow setup. Um, and, I, and so, therefore, I don't think he would work well being on the show um but to me that's how that should feel like if you read a comic and you and you see constantine pop up standing next to batman and superman and wonder woman he is very clearly something a part of something different than what the capes are a part of um and so i feel like the show pulled that off excellently um so yeah um now andy what did you like how they introduced constantine um, in the, uh, well, basically using him in the flashback and, and then ultimately leading to Oliver calling John, uh, in present day. You know, this was the first time this whole season I actually gave a fuck about the flashbacks. Uh, this whole, like, and it's kind of sad in a way because that island has such a big, you know, it's a, such a big centerpiece in the Green Air mythology that, so in order for it to get interesting, we had to have the guest appearance of John Constant, which was the only reason I cared for the library overall. Um, I do agree a little bit that, you know, that he did feel like that he wasn't really part of the entire Arrow setup. But I do think in the end, like, he blended in really well into our universe and he is now in the right universe without having, you know, he could still stay true to character from what 
fans of the TV show had seen, while also having him be in our, in our universe and so on. And um, I, I was honestly hoping that he would be more in the present than the flashback because if we compare, I think he was what maybe five minutes in the present and then maybe seven, eight in the flashback. I don't know. I didn't count, but he felt like he was part more of the of the past than the present so on. But either way, as a fan of Matt Ryan and as John, a fan of John Constantine, I appreciated every second of it. Like, you know, look, if he just sat there and read a phone book, I would have been, like, so freaking grateful because, like, yes, I just want more of him as Constantine. And I think they used him as well as they could. And and I, I liked his dynamic with all the characters. I love that he basically just hit on everyone, all the ladies in the in the in the arrow came like you know oh if I, if you told me that you were surrounded by so many pretty ladies I would have arrived much earlier, and I don't know he just like I said he fitted in so well, and you know, hopefully hopefully we might see more of him. I don't really believe the producers when they say oh it's a one off we're not, you know it's not gonna probably happen again. But I'm like yeah it's totally gonna happen again. Uh, if the fans love it, then you know that means that means more cash, and that means DC wants to get on it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of, hopefully, to see more of it and so. But I enjoyed. If this was the last time we saw him ever on TV, then I appreciated every second of it. And I think Stephen Amell and Matt Ryan had great chemistry together, and he blended in so well into the whole thing. Yeah, and and I I like how they teased a little that he knew of Damian Dark when Oliver. Uh, kind of was like, hey, you heard of this guy? And then Constantine's reaction was like, what? What, what was that name again? Um, and, you know, his, the, you know, what he told Oliver was just don't mess with that. Get as far out of town as you possibly can. Um, do you think that's going to have an effect on Oliver, Matt? Do you think that uh, he'll take that into consideration? Or is, just, is it just going to be something where – when somebody gives you advice, you're just like, okay, and you just kind of do your own thing. No, I, I think he immediately saw, like, the, the urgency in Constantine's words when he's like, no, he is seriously bad. Stay away. You think it's bad? No, it's way worse. And Oliver sees, like, Constantine as this guy who, like, kind of stares in the face of danger, and he's very, like, confident all the time doing all his magic-y stuff. And uh, for him to be shook up just by hearing that Damon Dark is around, not, like, I mean, he's, he wasn't, like, shaking in his boots getting in the elevator, but he was like, no, seriously, that guy is bad news. I think um, that is uh, something that that Ollie, I guess we should call him now, Ollie, <laughs> is, uh, is, is definitely going to take into account even more than what he already knows about Damien Dark. Now, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I just totally lost my train of thought. Holy crap. Constantine. Um, now... Trans, now, moving from uh, a place like NBC to CW, I, 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 what I really enjoyed about his character was that um, there was a, nothing changed. Um, now, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't expect there, I wouldn't expect them to change much at all. But you know, I, it's just that's maybe more of a creative legal thing uh, with um, with the character and, and how he's handled. Uh, Matt, did you see? Uh, let me think here. Oh, I'm losing my train of thought. Somebody talk. 
I don't know where you're going with this. One, I don't I'm know. Sorry, friends. I also agree with you that he got to be like that. They did, you know, because these were writers that had probably never worked on Constantine. I don't. I, I don't think that's any, what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, it was, you know, he spoke the way he would have spoken on a regular episode of Constantine. I think that maybe the only thing that may have changed was because you know on Constantine because you know it was and take take its time into consideration. It was it was airing on 10, 10 p.m., which means. You can do more gruesome stuff at 10 p.m., including, you know, the level of dark magic they were using and so on. But this one seemed, aside from the whole, let's go down to hell and pick up Sarah's soul, other, other, the other magic and so on seemed kind of friendlier to deal with and so on. So I guess that was the only thing that changed. And so it was, he stayed true to character. He spoke the way he should have spoken in any episode of Constant. He was, it was the same guy. It was just that this time... He was maybe using less of mega dark magic as, and more as, uh, as opposed to maybe more friendlier magic, if you know what I mean. No, I, I, totally, I totally agree. Um, I, I, oh, go ahead. I like, I like the on-screen effect, again, in terms of keeping his character consistent, that uh, he is he, he's very arrogant, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> when he shows up, he is essentially the only guy who knows about the stuff that he's discussing. Um, so, so and, and that's and that gets exacerbated when he's around even when more so when he's around non magic uh, characters. So, um, so I, I felt like that was consistent. I I was also glad that he um, punched the Nander Parbat thing on the nose and mm-hmm. not 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 Nander Parbat, but uh, is it Leon Yu the island and said that you know that there's a reason that people are drawn back to places because um, again I, I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago that. You know the fact that those characters constantly go to these places that are supposed to be completely secret and nobody can get to. Um, you know, like I'm amazed there's not a freaking club med on Lian Yu. So um, <laughs> I was glad that he called that out and kind of dealt with it. Yeah, and uh, just to wrap up the the whole Arrow Constantine talk, I just I, I wanted to say it was great to see him on the show. Um, I really liked his dynamic with the characters. Uh, I really hope that even if he doesn't get his own show back or. Um, you know, it's it's not a it's not like a two or three episode thing. Like we get to see him in some big uh, event type of show. Um, I mean, it, it would be pretty crazy to see uh, him on the show when when there's an Arrow Flash crossover. Um, I mean, it's like Agassi said, like you know, there's just a difference with how he is in the comics versus the capes, um, and I, and it's 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 obvious. But you know, I felt like they made it work pretty well. With with uh, Arrow and Constantine, and I, and I would love to see uh, something like that happen with with even just the Flash. I mean, watching all those three of those guys team up would be would be pretty sweet. Um, all right. So speaking of the Flash, uh, we had a, a pretty crazy episode. Um, we got to see uh, we're we're getting doppelgangers galore now. Um, we we know about Earth Two. We know how um, you know. Harrison Wells is back and and how he's in a lot of ways the same uh as as the Harrison Wells we saw in the first season. They're just not as evil, but more of a dick, like uh not Cisco, but Crisco says. <laughs> that was great. Um Oh my god. Yeah, so good. Um uh Sarah, did you enjoy uh seeing Harrison Wells again? Um and and his interactions with, with the rest of the cast? Um, yeah, I've missed him. Um, sorry, I'm still thrown off. So, um, yeah, I like having him back and I like how he's still Harrison Wells, 
but he's not Harrison Wells. Um, <laughs> they did that pretty pretty well. He's just a dick. So yeah, I like Harrison Wells and having him back. Now, uh, Matt, did, what did you think of um, his banter with uh, with Crisco and um, their battle of wits? You know, it, it. You know, we're so used to season one seeing those guys team up and and come to the same conclusion about you know a metahuman or something. These guys were at odds the entire time. Um, what did you think of that? I thought it was um, very Im- important for uh, Cisco's, uh, Crisco's character, uh, <laughs> for him to finally like you know, I mean he didn't tell the team that he had powers at the end of the episode, but it was forced out of him. But I think it was important for um, uh, him to 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 grapple with uh, Earth Two Wells, so he can grapple with you know his his powers and stuff like that, and kind of say aloud his frustrations to somebody besides. Um, um, I'm sorry, Doctor. Other half of <laughs> Firestorm, <laughs> Martin Stein. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I thought it was important for for Cisco to to do that aloud with someone else, especially someone who kind of um, represents like his his intelligence. You know, like um, while he's a different well, he's still an intelligent scientist from another uh, world who's who who's uh, accomplished a lot of things like the wells that they knew, but. Um, I I just wanted to comment that uh, he, uh, we have we have a listener a kickass koala I guess cool that's awesome Twitter handle he said uh, Wells just doesn't like people dumber than him much I can occasionally relate that when I see a Kim Kardashian ad on TV so it's um, basically Sheldon Cooper of the Flash then that he's like. He will comment on the the dumbassery around them. If it, exactly, he's like, you guys are just beneath me, and I, I think that's it, it's uh, he's kind of a dickish move, but but still uh, like funny at the same uh, funny and, at the same time. So, um, yeah. Uh, Gazaquiz, your thoughts on uh, Harrison Wells? Uh, I liked it. Uh, you know, this to me, this was some of the best. Um, Script writing, as far as the lines that were given to uh, Wells and uh, and uh, I can't remember his first name, but uh, Valdez, the guy who plays uh, Cisco, um, Carlos, and yes, Carlos Valdez, and 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 his delivery of all these lines, including the dick line, were like <laughs> so amazingly on point. Like, I I wish I could do an impression of, but he, you know, he says dick with a with a couple voice inflections in there and kind of. <laughs> That know, was like, like almost, the, that was my favorite line in the whole show. Yeah, he like, like almost <laughs> sings it. Uh, I, I like fell out of my chair laughing. Um, but yeah, I I, I liked uh, having Harrison on there. It you know, and again, I think they did it a little bit with the camera work, but you know, before they even got to the end, where they kind of you know pulled back the curtain a little and let us know that there was something you could tell that there was something off about him. You could tell that this was not. An, an altruistic Harrison Wells that was just there out of the goodness of his heart that maybe he wasn't as evil as the whole reverse flash thing, but there was definitely an angle to what he was trying to pull off. Um, and I also liked him calling out uh, Jay Garrick, um, even though I, th- I think that was a little bit of manipulation going on as well. But, uh, but I did, I liked him calling out Jay Garrick on, you know, this, this wouldn't be a problem if you had taken down zoom. And maybe part of the reason you haven't taken down zoom is because of your own confidence in being able to confront him yeah and i really liked that i really liked that um 
you know, we do, we're we're getting to see kind of the crossover to Earth One from Earth Two and things, you know, uh, you know, um, just two people at odds that are clearly here to help in their own ways. Um, Andy, what did you think of of seeing Jay and, and Harrison Wells kind of kind of go at each other a little bit and and also kind of shed a little bit of light on how um, Harrison Wells in the Flash in that uh, in that time in that world in Earth Two are very different in terms of of working as a team. Um, you know, like in season one of before before you know Barry learns about Harrison Wells, they're a team versus the two that are not a team in Earth Two. I, I like that we got that Harry Wells is uh, such different from Eobard Fawn um, when he was in the skies Harrison Wells. I I think it's a nice contrast to kind of see that you know how because you know you want these when you're dealing with doppelgangers so you want them to be as different as possible in order to enjoy it as just a weekly episode of television. So I like that it was something completely different. Uh, I still want some more exposition on. Jay and Harry's them relationship and so on because it doesn't seem that Harry is a bad guy per se, but he doesn't seem to be any like I I'm still holding on to my fear that he's more of an anti-hero in this in this in you know in Earth Two as opposed to being like a full-on evil person. So I I liked him in general. So I liked his whole like he. I don't know how many times I kept calling him a dick that night. Like you could have had a drinking game with it this episode and of how many times someone would call him a dick because I was just so not prepared for that. I thought, like, oh, he's probably going to be a little bit nice, but maybe a little bit shady too. Nope. He is ruthless. He's aggressive. He is, he's, well, he's a bitch. He's bitchy. And the, I, I loved all of it. Um, and, um, but we kind of know why he is a little bit like, or at least why he gets worse because you know his daughter has been taken. Yeah, very. Yeah, and and we got a little bit of that scene at a Zoom hazard, so that'll be interesting to see how that He's plays so out. Fucking terrifying. That he design, is. He is. I'm like, you know, when um from Spider Man is supposed to be like this creepy thing ever. Zoom just. I'll try him to because holy shit, did I crap my myself when I saw that? I'm like. Does he even have eyes? Like he does it. Like, what is inside of that suit? <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 really it looks really good. It, they really designed that costume really well, and and he is scary. I'll give him that. It's he is a very scary character, and Tony Todd's voice only adds to that mystique. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one of the great things that uh, overall I think that they've done well with with Arrow and Flash is. They've gotten rid of the angst that you saw in maybe the first five seasons of Smallville. Um, you know, that was like old CW and, and, you know, that was just teen angst was always present. So I, I'm glad that we don't see that um, if as, as much, if at all, in, in shows like The Flash, a, a show that can really, really show it. Um, and, I, and I bring that up because I felt like Barry and Patty's date was handled very well. I thought it was, you know, it's one of those things we can look at and you're like, oh, they look, they make a cute couple. It wasn't one of those things where it was super cheesy or anything. It was really well done. And they, they really played on the fact that Barry went blind briefly and had to have Cisco help him out. And I really thought that was a hilarious dynamic watching that happen. And then Patty eventually uh, catching Barry in his lie. Uh, Matt, what did you think of that? I um, I kind of shrugged it off at first because I was like, 
oh crap, he's blind. Okay, this sets up him fighting Dr. Light somehow in some in some like crazy way where it's like kind of classic first couple episodes where the team has to figure out a way and stuff like that. And then Harrison Wells is going to be like, yeah, you can just do that and this and that. Like even though you're blind, you can still fight her, capture her like this. No, it just sets up a date scene. <laughs> um, so at first I was kind of mad, but at the same time I was like, no, this is totally like how The Flash is written and it's great because uh, I'm, I'm happy that Patty knew and called him out on it because that means she's not a dumb detective who's there with the gun. Uh, she's actually like very smart and she deserves her spot on, on the uh, metahuman uh, task force. So that, that was, that was kind of cool. But man, the whole date scene, just man. So good. That that could have been an entire movie, and I would have just hated <laughs> up so much. You have no idea. It's so no. smooth. As as uh, as as a uh, Cisco said, man, smooth. So smooth. <laughs> yeah, Barry. Even even with his sight barely there, he was able to pull off uh, pull off the lines and and really look smooth. Um, I guess, please. Do you like? Uh, did you like the way that was written? Do you think that uh, it could have been def- done differently, or or was it just right? Uh, I was I was fine with it. I'm I'm definitely uh, a member of of I'm a t-shirt wearing member of Team Spivet. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. There were did I need one were, of those too, man? I'm I'm very much <laughs> Team Spivet, man. Super much on board. There were uh, there were a few other things in this episode that that bothered me. That uh, kind of however that date scene went, I would have probably been okay with it. Now um, we had Doctor Light in this episode, which was uh, basically. Linda Park's doppelganger on Earth 2. You know, we're, we're five episodes in, and I feel like it's been, every episode has been Zoom sending one metahuman after another to kill uh, Flash, uh, Barry, to kill Barry. Um, Sarah, do you think that it's, do you think it's, uh, this is going to be, if this is going to be how it's going to happen, if this is going to be the Zoom's going to try to get, get to Barry, do you think it's smart that they keep doing this every episode? episode or do you think they should change it up a little bit and and maybe show a little bit more of why he's doing this why zoom's doing this yes oh yeah but i don't think we're gonna get that reveal until probably mid-season finale because he's the big bad of the full season so just structure wise i don't think i think that's how it's gonna go um and i think they did change it up because last week was firestorm and so we got a reprieve from the villains trying to kill barry and then this week, it was another one, except it was the doppelganger of somebody that Barry's had has a relationship with and knows in his world, too. So to have that contrast, and then it just foreshadows um, potential other doppelgangers from characters we know um, to cross over to. And then hopefully, I want hopefully before the season, or for the, before the mid-season, for Barry to go over to Earth 2. And see his mom, but second, yeah. second that, yeah, that would be, that would be a trip. That would be a trip. I mean, first that would he, literally be a trip yeah. because <laughs> well, he's traveling yes. from one after another. I mean, you know, he watched his mom die, and then he gets to see his mom alive. I mean, that's just gonna be, um, that's just, that's just crazy. That's uh, that's why there's uh, therapists out there uh, to handle things like that. Um, now, talking of uh, Dr. Light, uh, Matt, did you enjoy uh, the bad guy, uh, Dr. Light? Did you think that she was a formidable opponent for the Flash, or do you think she was just 
just kind of just somebody zoom sent at Flash to try and get at him, knowing that Flash would probably defeat Dr. Light anyway. Um, I'm, I'm still a little confused on why Zoom chose her to, to go. Is, is it be, oh, well, they said in the show it's because he's been following them around. But, um, like, uh, I guess, oh, never mind, I just answered my question. That's the reason why. Um, <laughs> uh, but I was taken aback at first. I'm like, okay, she, like, shoots stuff, I guess. And, um, I don't know, I wasn't really in, impressed. But I thought it was cool that they brought back the Speed Mirage kind of uh, power that he has at the end. I thought that was that was pretty neat. So um overall it was it was it was a cool villain. Um I like how she um uh controls like the power of sunlight or whatever it is like that. So um yeah, I was it was a fair villain. I'm I'm interested to see in the next episode though of how um Earth One Linda is gonna try to be Doctor Light. <laughs> she looks so <laughs> unsure and like uh, just completely out of character that I'm like, Oh, this is this is gonna Spoiler, be Spoiler by the way, to anyone who's listening. Oh, I, oh, the preview's out there. Is, well, not everyone watches trailers, so... <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm fine. I'm sorry. No, I'm Casey, I'm interject this scene before with a with a big spoiler asterisk. I was fucking kidding. Oh I know, God. Andy. We love you. Okay, bye. I love you. <laughs> no, uh, man, uh, uh, Andy... Yeah. <laughs> man. Did you almost call me Amanda? <laughs> no, you know what? I almost shipped you guys. I almost said Mandy. Um, oh, fuck, no. Oh, fuck, no. <laughs> um, Andy, what I only ship myself with one person. <laughs> What I know. Uh, what did you think of uh, Doctor Light? Did you like the? Did you like the villain? Um, do you have a lot of knowledge on on Doctor Light as far as like the comic books go? Uh, I only know a little bit about the male version of Doctor Light, and I just started to learn about the female version of uh, of Doctor Light when it was announced that we're bringing the character to the show, and it's a female version. I thought they were going to use Kimio Yoshi, the female version of Doctor Light, but instead they made it Linda Park, and I. Be, I don't have any attachment to the character, so, so I wasn't, you know, disappointed. But I kind of thought it was cool that they had Melissa Joe, who plays Linda Part, kind of get to play that character, and it you know, it kind of made sense. You know, it was a doppelganger, and you know, and maybe in that earth, in that earth, something went terribly wrong, and um, and she became this person. So I, I was, I was fine with it, and I thought it was, I loved her costume, like. If you look at the costume, she kind of looks like Scarlet Witch in the comics, but, you know, with a black and white version of the costume. And I think they did a nice adaptation. I love, like, the long coat with the, the wide shoulders. This is Andy talking fashion. So, like, with the wide shoulder, you know, coat and stuff, like, I, I liked it a lot. So, um, no, I was genuinely happy with uh, their interpretation of Linda, that it was a uh, straight-on yeah, bad guy. And Melissa Joshi did a great job. And I knew, I knew she could play a good villain because... She played a villain of Vampire Diaries, which I may have seen the first or second season of, and I will, I will digress from there. <laughs> um, I guess, please. Did you? And I know we spent so much time talking about Legends of Tomorrow and 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 how these characters are popping up and whether people like it or not. But uh, what did you think of of uh, seeing Hot Girl in uh, in the Flash? As basically, it was like a cameo. Uh, same same problem that I've commented on before. I, I still it, it 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 still greets me to a certain extent. Uh, first first of all, that actress uh, always throws me off because I always think she's Rosario Dawson. Um, <laughs> she does so, look a little bit Rosario. Though. Now you mentioned it, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so I I, I literally it occupied brain cycles, clock clock like clock cycles of my brain. Um, 
trying to decrypt whether or not I was actually seeing Rosario Dawson. So, so again, I don't, I don't stay plugged into a lot of the writing online and stuff that goes around this. So, uh, so I really didn't get that it was hot girl, uh, until the second time she showed up. Um, so, and, and I still have the problem with it because now, you know, with, with that one. So now we know she's in central city. Does she just not appear for the next number of episodes leading up to the mid season finale? And then if she pops up in that finale, or the premiere of Legends of Tomorrow, then, you know, are, are we slightly distracted? I know I am by just the concept of, well, has she been Hawk Girl the whole time? And has she just been camped out serving freaking coffee in Central City for the last four months? Um, so, you know, like, again, I could have done with them bringing her on later. Uh, if she's going to be a love interest for Cisco, that'll, that, that might be interesting um, if that's how they kind of heartbreaking more. Um, <laughs> it's going to be heartbreaking if you think of it because it's like, at some point, Hogman will show up and he'll be like, oh, I am somewhat connected to you. Just go by. But that's basically what you know. Time to go time traveling. Yeah, time to put on the wings and fly. I know she's not going to be incensed or anything. Like, I, I, I'm, I, I'm excited for Hawk Girl finding live action, a uh, proper Hawk Girl. And so, um, no, I find it was nice that they kind of brought her in there. You know, we, we know she's going to be back next week, so that'll be fun. And... I think you, I thought it was cute. I I love that as opposed to any other romance that was going on in this episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, <laughs> um, story. You know what I was. You know what I was. Yes, I know. On. I know. I know. <laughs> um, sto- story wise, now when I talk one more thing, story wise, uh, Sarah, um, do you like the idea that they're kind of pushing? Um, Jay and Caitlin to kind of have like a thing together. I mean, do you think it's kind of necessary that they're doing something like this? Oh God, no! Oh, like, I like it. I I really Jay Garrick. Who? Like, I don't like that guy at all. He's very annoying, and I think they've kind of like ruined his character in the sunset. Like when when he was first in a, a when he was first introduced in like the second episode, I was like, okay, he has. Barry has a new mentor, but now Harrison Wells is back, and he's sort of overshadowing Jerry Garrick, and so he he feels very unnecessary, and he's a lot older than Caitlin. It just felt really weird. <laughs> yeah, he's Sarah. Like, I don't think he's that much older, honestly. Maybe he's like in his mid thirties. He's definitely you know getting close, maybe to his forties, but at least he's not as old as he was in the comic books. Hey, yeah, Sarah. Can I- can I, can I ask you, do you do you like the effect of uh, now having Jay Garrick and Harrison Wells on there in a kind of, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Platoon, um, but, but there's, there's this line in here in there about uh, Elias and Barnes fighting for possession of my soul. Uh, did you see that effect in this episode? And if so, do you, do you like the concept that there's going to be this ongoing contest between Jay and Harrison um, to influence Barry one way or the no. other? I never thought about it that way, but that makes perfect sense to me now that you've explained it. And I think maybe part of the reason why is because I'm still trying to see the purpose of Jay Garrick through all the bad acting. Maybe that's why. Maybe I just don't like that actor. Wow. Because... wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's no, 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 no. Honest, honest, right now, on, so honesty, is, honesty is good. Honesty is good. You know, it's, it's, she's being a critic. That's, you know, it's completely fair, you know, so it's. I'm, I mean, I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna <gasps> that, but, yeah. No, that's good. I mean, like we said, I mean, we're. I think we're all a little bit uh, surprised, but we're glad you were fully honest with your 
your uh Okay, criticism. move along, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm just well, trying, I, I, he, I he know try, what you're trying to give a compliment. Move along. So so I want to ask one more question to, for everybody to be completely open and transparent. Uh, I I feel like this show as good as it is and as much as we've mentioned that we in general I think the general feeling is that Flash is the better show between Arrow. I I will say that I feel like this show has become incredibly formulaic, like to me, far more so than Arrow. Um, in in terms of in terms of the same structure every week, you know, villain of the week, emotional drumbeat between either family or colleagues, with the f- last five minute punctuation of a flurry of reveals, um, and then roll end credits. Is there? I mean, is there anybody um, that strongly feels the show isn't that or? I mean, the thing for me is, you know, and this is maybe for me speaking from the experience of reading Flash comics and so on, but that's kind of like what a lot of, you know, some of the comics that I read where it's like, it is a lot of different, you know, not per week, but, you know, you know per month because there's only one comic per month per Flash, you know, so like in, in each issue, I, there, there were these different cases and different beats and stuff like that. So it kind of, you know, if we're talking about, you know, adapting from the source material, they're kind of doing a good job with it, but I totally see where you're coming from, uh, but I don't know. I yes and no, maybe. I I, I maybe it's Thank something you. where and and I can see why it seems seeming seems formulaic right now. It, it kind of goes back to the question I was asking to Sarah about about you know how Zoom is just basically sending the same villains or or, or sending a new metahuman over and over to to get at Barry and. And, 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 you know, Sarah did say that we did have the Firestorm episode, which did mix it up a little bit. Now, I guess my thing would be, are they doing this on purpose? Are they purposely – is it purposely being formulaic because there's going to be some sort of uh, big showdown between Zoom a lot sooner than we think and from there it's going to change? I guess that would be what I would be wondering. Is, is this all just a buildup? Are, are we just kind of being – are we treading – Along until something big happens, and then they do break that formula. That, that's, I guess that would be my thought. Anybody like, else? <laughs> no, yeah, I, 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 well, like, I guess because they're introducing this whole Earth to mm-hmm. Compton and so on, they're kind of trying to, you know, because look, you know, the Flash is, you know, is, you know, is based on something that is, you know, heavier on some of, you know, like this, you know, for example, the Speed Force and, uh, and you know, the Metahumans and the Earth 2 and Mulder and stuff like that. And so, of course, I think that, you know, yes, it's going to probably feel a little bit formula- formulaic for the next one or two more weeks until we get to the crossover events to kind of, like, explain to you. Because, we're, we, you know, we're dealing not it's not just combo fans that are watching the show. There is also, like, you know, for example, my big sister, she's never read a single Flash comic, I think. Uh, and she's kind of like getting introduced now to all these continents so and I think I don't I guess I'm more okay with slow burns and build them and stuff like that. I I guess I don't have to get everything all at once because remember we're dealing with T V shows you know, Aaron the Flash are both T V shows that has twenty three episodes, which in its turn can may hurt them more than it does good for them. And so if it was only thirteen or sixteen episodes, we would definitely you know, by now Barry would have probably bought Zoom for the first time and so on. And well, so I'm not so much worried about the pacing. I'm fine with that. I just mean like, like literally no shit. Like the same exact plot structure every week, and it's not. It's not this season. This has been the structure since season one. Um, and I get what you're saying, Andy, about it reflect. If 
if it's intentionally reflective of a certain run of the comics, I, I, I can get that. Because there, there was a stretch of runs of The Flash where, like, the setup, like, every comic was... They were, I think they were actually referred to as cases or case files. Um, and, and the show feels like that in a lot of ways. The show feels very akin to a procedural crime show in a lot of ways. But still has red threads throughout them, and so they they're all connected in some ways. Kind of like how Super Bowl is with you know with Fourth Raws, that right. is being led by um, on Astra. But throughout the first couple of nine episodes or whatever, you will see different. Well, I guess in their cases, aliens as opposed to metahumans. Right. And sir, I definitely wanted to hear whether or not you felt the show was overly formulaic. Um, you know, I I know what you're saying because um. I, I saw that since the first season, too. But then again, what always enters my mind whenever I think of a show as being formulaic is they're all formulaic. <laughs> and I think because you have, and especially a 23-episode season, the writers need to get these scripts out really quickly. So it's easy to have a... to for, to. To write out something constructed and to repeat and try to switch it up to the best of their ability by introducing new characters or something. And so I, I get what you're saying. It doesn't bother me nearly as much as I guess it bothers you. Um, probably because I I really just like the... I, what, oh God, I cannot talk tonight. Flash does the overarching stories so good that I could care less about the formalikeness of it all because it's, it's those little teases and those connections and the build up, the slow burn storylines that really intrigue me and keep me on board with the show. Yeah, I think the every like kind of bad guy kind of um, if, if it was like a throwaway person, but it kind of services like um, the, the main like thread of the show, like Last season, it was like every baddie teaches kind of Barry like a new thing about discovering his powers. Now it's like every baddie is somehow related to Zoom. And then we're learning more and more about what Zoom is up to every episode through him sending like bad people over, I guess. So it it, it feels just because it follows a formula, it doesn't make it any less entertaining, which is why I'm a little more forgiving of it. I think that's, that's my, my take on it. Yeah, I... I... I, I agree. I, I also think that what helps is I, I think you can have a formulaic show like Sarah, like Sarah said, most shows, most series are formulaic. I, I think that the difference maker, at least for me, is is in the acting and the writing and, and, and a show like The Flash for me consistently uh, comes out um, almost every week and, and does a, a fantastic job with the writing. I mean, we were all just talking a little bit ago about how this was one of the, the better, the more the more smartly written uh, episodes and 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 it really was and and you, things like that kind of pull you away from it being formulaic and and getting you caught in oh well it's the same thing over and over again because the performances and the actors are driving the story and and kind of making you forget that um but that's that's just kind of what i think um uh, before we end this uh, tv talk anybody want to add anything uh, about the flash um, Cisco is the worst wingman. He said only three things on that date. That's it. <laughs> he said she looks pretty. Duh, she looks pretty. She's on a first date. He's but very serious you know, before. Worst well, wingman ever. Barry was technically on a blind date. <laughs> he was blind. Oh so, yes. You know, I will say this. 
the only thing I cared about the whole that whole dates thing was actually Cisco sitting in and so on. Um, I was kind of flabbergasted at when Patty, had, you know, look, I, I get that they were asking. She, everyone is curious about what was it like um, getting hit by lightning. But the moment she says, did it hurt? I'm like, no, Charlotte, like, it, 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 it was just like a vaccine shot. Of course it fucking hurt. Like, I'm like, I could not. And I got some swank over it uh, from the flash pocket where, um, where they were like, you know, well, some people actually feel the after effect. And so I'm like, well, some people actually feel the damage when they get it get hurt by, hit by lightning and so on. So I'm like, yeah, Patty, I'm sorry, but that was that was the biggest what the fuck moment in the whole episode. Um, and then I sort of like faded out from that. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm growing close to like Patty, but it's uh, it's taking its time on me. Okay, that's fair. One of that scene was just the it showed like two characters in in a way that we never see like that often, I guess. Like besides Barry being charming because. Grant Gustin's always charming on screen. That's that's just what he does for a living. <laughs> uh, do have, but it's do have, it's. Do you have a little crush on Grant? He's it's uh it's I don't know. I guess sure. Ship him. Ship me and him. <laughs> do it. <laughs> no. Capo might get jealous. <laughs> Capo. Oh my god! I haven't thought about that. Uh, but yeah, like I I just that, that scene was just so like well put together and it was fun. It was good like breath of fresh air. That's why it was pretty cool. It, nice. Okay. Um. All right. Link. Well, with that, um, I think that'll do it for our TV talk for this week, which a lot of TV talk. I hope you're hanging in there with us because uh, we did a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of fun con- discussion and conversation today. All right, so we're gonna wrap up the show like we always do with our classic movie picks. Uh, Andy, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> Pete, you know me. Okay. I'm never prepared You're right. on you, this. I'm sorry. You have nothing. It's okay. It's okay. We still love you anyway. <laughs> I, I watch more TV than I do film either way, so it's kind of like. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> you can pick a TV show. You can pick a TV show. Did I hear oh. echo? That was a total I echo. heard an echo. I heard an oh, echo. Shoot. <laughs> what is going on? That was me. <laughs> all right. Um, Matt uh, or Sarah, do you have a, a, a classic movie pick? Yeah. Um, Ordinary People um, from 1980 won Best Picture and Best Director and and Best Supporting Actor. Um, It's a very good film. It was directed by Robert Redford. And it's just this simple story about a family and a tragedy that occurs and what happens to the family dynamics um, during their grief and how people struggle with grief differently. Um, I highly recommend it, especially if you're into films. And that one um, I really enjoyed. Awesome. We're having some technical difficulties right now. We've lost a guest, please. We've lost Matt. Zoom took I, us. Zoom took us. Apparently, we're 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 drifting between uh, Earth One and Earth Two parallels. Apparently, um, all right. So I'm gonna go ahead and give my classic movie TV pick. Uh, sticking in the '80s, uh, I was just watching this today, and that was um, uh, Mannequin with uh, Kim Cattrall and Andrew McCarthy. Uh, a funny, silly little rom-com back in the 80s uh, about a guy who meets a girl, but she's a mannequin uh, only when people look at her except him. Uh, it's a, it's he, a, what? <laughs> Do you know the game Boulder Dash? I've heard of it, but I've never played it. Okay, because I swear to God, the last time, and I've played this like, I don't know, 10 years ago, but I swear that was like a clue because there's a movie section where like these ridiculous movies, you just are given the title <laughs> and then you have to like create the plot and try 
try to um, convince everybody that that's a plot. I swear to God, I'm pretty sure that was a clue in that game. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So <laughs> good to know. Um, that's okay. That's okay. All right. So, oh, man, I don't – I apologize. I don't know what's happening. But I, I'm kind of glad it waited till the end of this to crap out. I don't know what the hell's going on with Skype. Uh, usually works just fine with us. Um, but for some reason – Cisco did not take care of this. For Cisco us. did Damn not it. take care of this. For yeah. you. Cisco, he's supposed to fix everything, but he <laughs> didn't fix this. You have failed well, this star laps. When when he fixed the arrow new arrow cave, there were glitches. So you know. <laughs> All right, so let's just go and wrap things up before Skype dies on us. Because yeah, it's it's not looking good. Uh, Andy, quickly tell everyone uh, where do, they can find you at. And they can find on theflashpodcast.com, uh, on social media, all on the Flash Podcast, uh, iTunes, social radio. Uh, if they want to find me and my work at TV, or my Hero Hollywood, uh, follow me at Anime Bagged, and make sure to check out my Marvel website, uh, themarvelreport.com. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Gas, please? Yeah, you guys can catch me. Can you guys, can you guys hear me? You're good. You're good. You're good. Go, go. Okay, uh, you guys can uh, catch me on, uh, on Twitter, at AgassiclesStamus. That's two S's in the middle. Uh, or on Google Plus under the same name. Awesome. Uh, Sarah? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SJBelmont. Please go to com to check out the entertainment section where you can find my my articles, Agastocles articles, and a bunch of other um, geeky articles about TV and film. Yes. Thank you for that, Sarah. Good plug. Uh, Matt? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at I'm Salzy. Before I uh, spell it, though, you guys got to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Just do it. Just <laughs> don't even think about it. It's like it's so ridiculously out there and, and stupid and self-deprecating that it's awesome. I am S-A-L-Z-Y. <laughs> Very <laughs> and nice. And we're supposed to like replace the main character with you, right, Matt? Because you identify so much with oh, her. It's, it's a, I'm a little <laughs> frightened about that, that how much oh. I identify with her. But anyway... Okay, um, and you can find me at Pacing Pete on Twitter. You can find us at Scene Letter N Nerd on Twitter. Uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like about the show. Um, that is going to do it for now. Uh, hopefully, this time next week, Skype will be a lot better, and and we'll actually won't die on a couple of us here. Um, all right, till next week. You have a DVR, use it. Bye 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 Facebook.